Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Hello, this is Elizabeth Dale Phillips. My book, Have She Known Will Travel? The Story of 12 Bluebells Touring Italy in 1960 will be released September 28th. It can be purchased from Amazon and other sites and in the US can be ordered from your local independent bookstore. My book is a pretty accurate record of one period with one troop of Bluebell girls. And I see the Bluebells Forever podcast as a similar record, but encompassing so much more. It's a Bluebell treasury. So when patron membership in the podcast was first offered, I snapped it up. I didn't think twice. Of course, I wanted to support the project. And my cup runneth over. Not only do I feel virtuous for supporting the podcast, I also get to enjoy bonus material. The Circle Back, where twice a month, Sherry re-interviews one of her earlier podcast guests. Sherry and her guest, now very comfortable with each other, build on the first interview. Maybe new areas, maybe a deeper dive. Can be surprising, offbeat, jaw-dropping, always fascinating. Then comes Showgirl in Training, where I learn once a month what it takes to be a cabaret dancer in 2021. Hard work. That too is fascinating. And once a month, I get to join Sherry and Anne Green in Happy Hour. Short videos where two very good friends, who also happen to be two very bright, funny women, sit in a garden and chat about their lives in the theatre. So there you have it. Lots of reasons to become a patron. Bye. So, Jeremy, when anyone says your name, we, we tend to raise our hands up and go, Jeremy! <laughs> <laughs> because when I, we have to talk about all the wonderful things coming up. So this is Jer- Jeremy Boucher and you were my first with Renee first interview with the new cast. Like most of the ones I had done was from my generation. So I think because you had reached out because you were so great to comment that you loved it and was listening to it. I'm like, Ooh, I want to interview someone from this new generation because I had just been at the reunion and was in love with the show and so impressed with the cast. So when you were willing, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Because you educated me in a way I had no idea that someone your age would know more about the career I was in at that time than I did when I was in it. So, okay, so I have so many things I'm going to go in a big old circle because there's so many things I want to talk about (laughs) because you're moved up to the assistant uh, ballet master. And when people that I've interviewed recently said it was you, we all like went, it's Jeremy. And they clap, we get emotional, like, of course it's Jeremy. (laughs) Because there's so much I wanted to kind of start with your knowledge of the Lido before we get into all the amazing things you're doing now, because you're unique. And I think you've inspired a lot of people from my generation that, that it actually matters to you as a younger dancer in, in the Lido, that our history matters and that you take it serious. And that before you were even in the show, you knew more history than we did. <laughs> and that you, yeah, the fact that you are just an advocate and you've been so good at giving me other people to interview, like you'll give me contacts, like Herma Voss, like, you said, here's her email. Cause I've been trying. I'm like, thank yeah. you. That was it. like, you gave me these great leads, not just from your cast, but from cast way, way back. So I've just been really impressed with your knowledge, but especially your passion for the Bluebell name, the Lido name. And so when we hear you getting to move into these beautiful new realms of the Lido, I feel like there's a lot of people that are like overjoyed 
that it's you. So I just want you to know you are beloved and respected and your cast just admires you. And I think it's a wonderful thing to come back with the show now with something new. Mm-hmm. Like, like if there's the things that are familiar, it's going to feel really good. But like this new fresh face to be there for them. And they're coming into like navigating COVID and the sh- difference in the show. So that was a longest lead in intro, but it was, was fabulous. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we well, did, hi, we Sherry. <laughs> Hello. And I know we, had just, we, we split it with you and Renee last time. So now it's yeah. just you. Because I think we just barely kind of got into like a little bit of your upbringing and how you ended up at the Lido. Mm-hmm. But then I want to maybe lead with this because I interviewed Steve. Um, oh, my gosh. Ch- uh, oh, he's a friend of yours. He was in. Steve Edge. Yeah, he was Steve in Edge, and, and Lido during the show. Bonner. He's my my mother, my show mother. I love uh, that. I, I love Steve very dearly. And when I first, because when I was 16, I just added those, I just discovered Facebook and I discovered that there were showgirls and showboys on Facebook. So I just started adding everyone, adding everyone on Facebook. Obviously, they didn't know me, but I was so interesting to see the backstage photos and those like the, all, the, all those pictures about the showgirls because I was so interested. And back then, I had programs and a few books, but internet was not what it is now. Uh, YouTube didn't have had that much show videos. So I, w- I just wanted, I was craving for things to watch and to learn to the details about the costumes, how were the backstage. Uh, and so when I first, they, they heard I was arriving for, uh, as a new leader boy in the company, uh, they were all like, Steve was like, oh my God, d- d- did you see like th- this Jeremy, this like Leo, 16 years old weirdo was I was 19 but but he's coming he's coming that's just crazy uh so yeah that was my reputation before I arrived (laughs) I love that because it's just like you were passionate but they didn't like not like kind of like a weirdo but also like uh, this is amazing that this guy is here now this thing that you had been researching I don't I think a lot of dancers were looking maybe like what ballet companies or in America maybe Broadway or LA but for you Mm -hmm. at that young age to be really curious about cabaret how did you yeah. even come about uh, come about that? Like, what did you see or living in Paris or France? You're not. Are you from Paris or are you from outside of Paris? No, I, I'm from um, I'm from in between the center and the south of France. Uh, the biggest city near my hometown is called Lyon. So, <laughs> uh, oh. yeah. So that's two hours away from Paris by train. Uh, and I don't really know. I mean, my parents were not artists. My grandparents liked dance but they were not artistic people either. And I just remember uh, in France, every during the, the Christmas holidays towards uh, New Year's, you always have those um, TV specials about cabaret. And I just remember being so mesmerized by those images uh, about the, the Folie Berger, the Lido, obviously the, the Moulin Rouge, the Crazy Horse. I was just fascinated by those girls and those boys that were just like, this forest of feathers and rhinestone, the, 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 this very American, especially for Lido, the, the, this American style of dancing, like those Broadway shows, uh, but still with the, 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 the very elegant topless girls. I, I don't know, it just, I fell in love with that from a, a very young age. That's what made me want to start dancing when I was six. I never dreamed about being a, a soloist at the, the Ballet of the Opera at Paris. I just wanted to be 
surrounded by this cabaret world. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. That just, it was just for me. That, that was my thing. Uh, yeah. And so after my, my, my high school degree, uh, the deal was my parent, if you get your diploma, your high school diploma, you can go to Paris and try out. Uh, that's what I did. <laughs> I did a, a year in free, being freelance in Paris. So I worked with lots of for events, TV gigs. Uh, I did replacement in a small cabaret outside of Paris. I did lots of stuff that like built my experience as a freelance. And a year after that, I auditioned in, for the Lido. Uh, and then I got the job. And that's how the dream started. Uh, because I always said, oh, I realized my dream by, by becoming a Lido boy. But then the dream just built. Uh, and I, I don't know. It, it, it was a journey. To me and I yeah. believe about the journey and and falling in love with Lido uh, and then becoming a dancer and then discovering more and more about what it meant and the legacy and the old shows and this whole savoir-faire that we have in this house and being on stage also six nights, six nights a week uh, for eight years and then eventually becoming interested in growing into a manager today well yeah it's just been fabulous okay we have so many ways that this is going to go because you've <laughs> not been doing one thing you've been doing like three things when a lot of people mm -hmm. are just stay, staying home making bread during covid you have three <laughs> big changes i'm also curious if you knew you want to do cabaret because a lot of a lot of tall girls were going for ballet and then shifted when they were too tall for ballet since you know knew you were going for cabaret were you looking for specific training or just knew if I get my good ballet and jazz I sh should be able to go there and audition and do well so obviously because of those tv special that I watched during my childhood I knew I saw Pierre Rambert talking about the ballet the company at the Lido I saw those interviews about Miss Bluebell and I knew they were looking for tall um, classical ballet trained dancer so um, I started not doing that because at six, I didn't knew that. So I started with uh, Latin dances uh, and couple dance, dances. Uh, but eventually around 12, I started ballet because I knew I, I was more, I, I understood how it worked. So that's when I started ballet and jazz and, and contemporary. Uh, but yeah, from 12, I was focused. The Lido was like the goal. And that's how I trained. I, I, I was training for that. Like that was just the goal. I get and, like emotional. Yeah. That's just so great. Cause like at that young age, you knew some people just all figure it out later or they, they think they're going one way and they go and go somewhere else and don't do what they thought, but you went for what you dreamed of. And I'm just so curious of a kid between six and 12 during partner dance. Cause <laughs> I think I have seen it like in the like ballroom community that they start the kids really young partnering ballroom. But what a, I think there's so many guys I've worked with that never got to partner. Us tall girls never got to partner. So the first time we were doing any of it was in a show where you're trying to figure out how to touch someone and move someone yeah. and lift someone. And so many of us didn't ever get to do that. So that's really unique that you did it on the mm -hmm. flip side. When you yeah. were younger, you were already learning all that. Mm -hmm. And I think that was great to, to uh, because I started dancing uh, with a partner. So when I first arrived at Lido, and they tell me, oh, that's your partner for Finale Prologue or, or your partner for this tableau. And I was so comfortable because that's what I started with. Um, 
and then eventually, obviously, uh, when I did ballet, I did pas de deux and all of that. But yeah, I think I think also in musical and, and cabaret, partnering is so important because that's yeah. why, I mean, showboys are showboys. They 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 obviously dancing more and more, especially throughout the um, different shows, the, the de decades. I think the boys have more have taken more room in the show instead of mm. just being on the side just just walking uh the girls down the stairs we have yeah we have more more room to dance and to express this like um masculinity in front of those glamorous showgirls that are the, the epitome of the the femininity um but but yeah i i felt like that was so helpful to have this base uh, from an early age to become a showboy later on. What was, was Panache your first show? Or were you what before? No. Oh, wait, I got <laughs> the order 28. backwards. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got, I got the order wrong. What was the one right before Paris Mer Merveille? Bon Bonin. So I, I, I I'm sorry, I know you're young. Yeah. I totally flipped that around. <laughs> that's I would that's love Karina's to, to age. Dance, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would have loved to dance in, in Panache and Corina because those shows was just breathtaking. But, but I did Bonner and that was an amazing show created and by Pierre Rambert uh, and choreographed by Craig Revel Horwood and Mick Thompson. Uh, and I was lucky enough to, de, to do the, the three last years of this show. Okay. Wow, well, sorry, I flipped that. The new show. <laughs> I've actually been pulling things up on YouTube and you can find like the full show of a lot of those on YouTube. Yeah. So it's yeah. been really fun to, after seeing a lot of my guests in their costumes to actually see the show. Mm -hmm. But I'm even wondering like, cause the first show I did was Hello Hollywood, Hello. I saw it from the audience, but I didn't, I just knew Vegas had big shows. So I was happy to be in it. I was in awe because of costumes and everything. But I'm picturing you when you, you get hired and now you're on this stage that you have been, dreaming of and then you know the history of the people that have danced before you because that's another thing a lot of people don't go in understanding of the Hermabas, the Korean, all these people that were before you, you already had that reverence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean sure just learning the show was really wonderful, but how you embrace it is probably different than a lot of people that understand what that what that theater is. Yeah. I I, I think I saw Bonner when I was 12 or 13 so basically when I started ballet and jazz uh, and obviously I already have this knowledge about the, the tv special that I saw so when I first started at Lido uh, I told some girls oh I saw you I saw you on stage eight years ago <laughs> and it was just <laughs> crazy for me to be on stage with those girls that made me dream uh, back then and also uh, um, my captain Aslan was uh, <laughs> <laughs> like laughed at me because I already knew when he said, well, we're going to learn cats today. And I kind of already knew the step, even though like watching on TV, you don't, you don't know the counts or the, the proper way to do it, but I already had a sense of, of what it should be or look like. Um, so yeah, that was like learning the show when I first had a little was just a blast because I was learning things that were... Um, like that was so interested in in like the, the show I, I just loved it i think the bonner tape that i had uh i watched it a thousand times so i i, I knew the music i knew the lyrics uh, i knew the costumes i knew where i was coming cour or jardin left or, or stage right or stage left so yeah that was that was fun and then when we get to the other parts of your story that makes it even sweeter of, of just 
what got you there. So we also lost Pierre Rumbert, which I had wanted to interview. I'd reached out a few times. I had, did not know mm-hmm. what his health condition was. I had only just started hearing about him from the interviews because that was like, I had left those shows. I wasn't really up to date. So, and have that happening during COVID too. Cause I know a lot of people did get to see him at the reunion. There was wonderful pictures. Mm-hmm. So we, I know a lot of us are so grateful for that reunion that it happened before COVID because that was such a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I'm so glad that we, that that wasn't taken away, that, it, that it, we got to do it before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. But I love the picture of the pier. And then I was starting to be more curious. And then you've told me and then some more. So I'm just curious. You worked with him. And I only did one, one little tribute to him. And it was with Karina and with Stuart. And we probably could have gone on for hours and had so mm-hmm. many people share what their life, what it was like working with him. But do you want to share a little bit before we go into more of your story? Because you already knew his legacy before you got there. So and you yeah. got to work with him personally. Mm-hmm. So when I first auditioned at Lido, Pierre is the person who hired me. I remember when I he asked me my age, I said, I'm 19. He told me that should be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> As a joke, obviously. But uh, I was basically meeting my idols. You know, some people are idolizing Britney Spears or, or Sylvie Guillaume or whoever they are a fan of. But me, I was a fan of Pierre Ambert for the way he was handling the, the, the like how he was holding the torch of Bluebell really because after Bluebell left he took care of the ballet and and then eventually he, he wrote and directed C'est Magique, choreographed some tours, uh, he wrote some lyrics for the show uh, so he had like he was artistic director so it was just this the greatest person to handle Lido after, because obviously Donna then was not there anymore. Bluebell was not there. She was retired. Rene Fradet, the uh, form, I mean, the, the re- original artistic director Lido also was retired. So it just took over. And I, I, I was so admirative and respectful of what it did for Lido. And so obviously he hired me as a dancer and I was really impressed and intimidated by this character because mm. he would just come in the lodge in the dressing room. You could already, already smell his perfume. You can hear the keys in his hands. Uh, good evening, gentlemen, or good evening, ladies. Uh, how are you? He would always do that, going through the lodges every night. Uh, and I was really impressed because obviously he was my boss. And I, uh, I was a fan, like a little groupie, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, eventually, when we changed the show, so Franco Dragon was directing the new show. That's when I reached out on a more personal level because I wanted to to meet the person that he was. I wanted to to hear the stories. I wanted to 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 feed my soul from from his knowledge and his experience. And and I'm so glad that we became friend friend with. Thanks to that, and and for the last seven years, we I was going to visit him very often, and we would just talk, like oh. like Steve used to do before. We just talk about the old days, the, the 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 beautiful memories, the funny ones, the the tragic ones, the everything that made his life, and his life was basically all turned around Lido because he, he just played such a big role in this house. So yeah, I'm, I'm obviously I'm, I'm so sad that he left us a few months ago, but I'm so, so grateful that I got to 
um, involved him in the book mm -hmm. uh, and he got interviewed for the book so he got to meet the author and do an interview with her and talk about this whole thing that I already heard but it was just so nice to hear the story again and, and to hear his um, he was so intelligent the, the, like he would analyze uh, everything and try to make sense uh, of uh, the artistic journey of the Lido and the showgirls and what he tried to do uh, when when Bluebell gave him, gave him the torch in, in, so yeah I just I think Pierre was a beautiful and magic soul that we all miss but he's with us I believe he's with us all and and his spirit and his soul is still living through us and and the the, the artistry that is the cabaret and the musical and also the the, the opera because he did two um, the Traviata for the Opera de Toulouse which was a beautiful beautiful production um, so yeah those I, are I don't have a, like enough words to describe how much I respect and admire this person. Yeah, I feel like we probably need a couple hours of another, a separate one mm -hmm. because I think, and there's more people that wanted to tell their story than I just had the two of them because everybody's got a different angle if they, you know, what, what decade they worked. But for you yeah. to be a younger person and so interested, um, because there's things I found out he was doing all these extra things besides Lido, which is amazing, mm -hmm. like how anybody would have the time or energy, but his creative mind probably had to do a lot of things so that he could get it out and on the stage. Yeah, it was a, a force to reckon with. Uh, I, I got the chance to go through his personal notes uh, after he passed away. So um, the, the, his creative process was just fabulous because you can read the words that he would put on the paper as just like little things that you would write in between like two, two, two appointments or in a cab or, or whatever in the kitchen. Uh, I, I remember seeing like seeing him writing like a few words or drawing something in his notebooks. So I got the chance to, to go through those uh, and you can tell how creative and smart he was just by looking at those pages just fabulous and, and his mind it would just have some amazing references everything had a purpose and a sense like he wouldn't put a girl on stage just because she was pretty he would think about the music the, the, the set the scenography the ambiance with the lights uh what he wanted to tell where this girl was going where was she here and all of that so that was so so in interesting and to, because also i always felt like oh my god he's such a genius i could never write a show and then you realize by looking at those pages i'm like oh okay so that's just the idea came from that world or that um that, that idea and then it just developed through the pages in something bigger and bigger because it just add references or I imagine these kind of costumes and this kind of offset or, or yeah, it's just so interesting to, to look at that. So his brain was probably always creating, even though he has to go to the grocery store and go do things. For his sure. brain was always creating. For sure. For sure. I, I think, yeah, that, that that's what I said. He was this life. I think his life was just, his mind was just creative all the time. He, he would just see something and imagine how it could be on a stage or, or seeing a movie and how he could adapt that uh, or take this certain element from the movie. And, and I don't know, it was, yeah. 
Wow. What a gift for you. Mm. And then to be the one, okay. Cause I want to talk about your book, but getting to that, like when, like you said, the internet wasn't like it is now, but were you, you seem to know a lot of the history. Like there's people that are way before you that, you know, their story. Was mm-hmm. that by asking questions or researching? Cause a lot of that stuff you can't find, you can't find Karina's story on the website or, or anywhere like you, how are you finding out these more personal stories of the, of these people that went before you? Anything that I could find uh, on TV, online, about programs, books, articles, I would just take it and, and like uh, diving. I would just look at every detail, try to remember everything that I would uh, read or see, uh, try to connect some dots as well. Uh, and then eventually I get into this world uh, as a professional dancer. So I get to meet more people. And that's when I was asking questions because obviously yeah. when I first arrived at Lido, uh, for example, you have, I was 19, but my dressers were maybe there for uh, 20 years already. So I would ask questions, how, how did this quick change happen? Who uh, were doing this part? Did this girl did replacement? Oh, but she's the sister of that one. And this one uh, used to be there and la la la. So yeah, it was just like ask question. And, and then eventually uh, this whole knowledge allowed me to build some kind of Lido Wikipedia-ish. <laughs> and I thought I knew a lot, but, but when I, we first started working on the book, uh, we did more interviews, just like your podcast. And it was fabulous because everyone that stepped into this maison, or, which was on stage or not, uh, everyone has a little bit of the Lido story or Bluebell story. They all have their own story to tell and that's what makes it makes it so rich that we are a community that are all part of this same story that yeah it was very passionate to, to create this book uh because it was so nourishing to to mm. to, to to see that everyone has a, a, an attachment uh feelings for for what we do what we did um and yeah, it was just amazing. Wow. Because I, when I went to the reunion, I, I, would, I was offered through my company manager from America, from the Bluebell show. Like I was not, I thought I was done dancing. She goes, do you like to go to Paris? Like, cause she knew she could contact someone because you know, they all can do that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I didn't go and I didn't really look back. And then it was a few years ago when I went to Paris, I went, what? I could have lived here. <laughs> But I still didn't have the same reverence until before the reunion and because of the internet and the more of having a reunion for my show, Hello Hollywood, Hello in Reno, that I started to hear more stories that I hadn't heard. So that when I did get to the Lido and we got to do the meet and greet and just be on the stage and it was Joe and me, I don't know if you were there, but I know um, Leah was there with the costume. We got to take pictures with them and then to see the show, but also when we got to take dance class on the Lido stage. Mm-hmm. I just had, I had that moment. Like I thought I was 20 again, but I also realized I didn't have the reverence for this that I have now, you know, like that's something with youth, but it's not being wasted. You guys get that. But I had this feeling like how many amazing people have stood on the stage, created from the light booth have done the costumes backstage. So I think it being there, a lot of the reunion has probably made a lot of us. And now with COVID to understand how precious that, that building is, that theater is, the legacy. 
So mm-hmm. the 75 year already happened, the actual 75 year happened, right? Was it during COVID? Of the yes, anniversary the, the, of the, yeah, the lead opened in on the 20th of June 1946. So we have celebrated the 75th anniversary during COVID because we were not open yet. Yeah. But we are trying to catch up on that now <laughs> since we opened yeah. 16 of September. So we are a few months behind, but we're still on, a, on the 75th year. It's in the year. The yeah. Which I love that because instead of like, well, well, just let it go by because 75 is a big one. Like, you know, the 50, the 75, those yeah. quarter, that those really matter so that you're, that it didn't just pass and during COVID and forgotten. So mm-hmm. when did you actually have the idea that you wanted to write a book and propose this to Lido? Like I, you've been archiving all this and all your curiosity, you've already been acquiring it, but what made it say this needs to be in book form? So the thing is, I didn't propose the book. Uh, the story is that uh, when COVID happened, uh, our community manager, Lido, uh, she's called Elodie. She's a former Bluebell. <laughs> she was pregnant so she she had a, a few months off obviously for baby duties and and because we were all in lockdown couldn't find anyone that could replace her as community manager because obviously you have to know the leader you have to know the dancers and how our social media works and all of that so she proposed in the direction that I could replace her for a few months since I was not on stage so I started replacing her for six months uh, and then I proposed that we do uh, a little legend part on the, on the social media, and which is basically little videos of a minute or a minute 30 that would talk about the little history. So we, it was just like filmed. So we had one video about the, the origin of the Lido back in the 40s, then one video about the, the old costumes or the old leading lady. Uh, so yeah, I, I had lots of fun creating those little things for, for the social media and, and creating like content for, for our Instagram, Facebook and YouTube pages for six months as replacement community manager. And eventually uh, the direction uh, wanted to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the Lido by some way. And since we had so much time, Lido being closed, the, the directrice, uh, director decided to produce a book and they asked me uh, to be part of it. So they already had a, a contact with an editor, which is Flammarion, which is a big uh, maison d'édition, is a big editor in France. Um, and yeah, they basically asked me and Sylvie, who's working at the marketing for the Lido, which has been here for, I think, since 2005 so she, she had a good knowledge of the Lido but from a more administration side of it uh, so we were they asked us to to work as a tandem uh, with Flammarion to help them create the book uh, so we uh, we had to choose the the offer we had a few options that Flammarion brought to us uh, and we decided to go with Sonia Rachlin who's uh, the author of the book and she didn't know the dance world or the, I mean, she knew the Lido by name, but she didn't know especially like what we were doing exactly. Uh, she mostly wrote for Vogue, uh, the, the magazine. And also she did a few books about the, the entertainment of the fashion world. Uh, so she already had this artistic sense and, and the way she was writing really appealed to us. 
Um, so that was the first step. We got to meet Sonia, do like uh, interview for her to prepare the the the, the base of the book. So the, the like the main chapit, the chapters, the main chapters. Uh, so she knew the the first directions that she wanted to go uh, with her writings, and then she asked us to organize interview with her uh, with old uh, old or, or actual like. Um, current uh, Lido employees. So we got to organize interview with Erma, <laughs> with Corina, with uh, Min Verges, who is the, the, the costume goddess of Paris. She, she just, uh, she, she created costume for Josephine Becker, for, for Dalida, Sylvie Vartan, for all the Lido shows since the 60s, for the Moulin Rouge as well. I mean, she's just a queen, uh, she's wow. amazing. We we got interviewed to uh, with uh, Edwin Pietney. We also uh, designed the costume for C'est Magic and Bonheur. Uh, it was picked by Falco, our like former um, costume designer. We did all the shows back back in the days. Uh, we interviewed with the Kessler sister. We were like the big vedettes. Also in the Petit Lido, ah. uh, attractions, technique, dresses, uh, composer, uh, chef d'orchestre, so many people. We did around uh, about 40 interviews. Uh, and that was so interesting. Everyone had like an amazing story to tell, some amazing anecdotes, some amazing anal uh, analysis about their time at Lido. And, and how he was, and yeah, that was fabulous to, to hear all that. Um, and then, so we received the, the, the first draft of Sonia, the first text, and reading the story, because I knew it, I heard all the interviews, but reading it from A to Z was so amazing because she understood, that's the thing, that was so important for me that she understood and she could um, get the essence of what we are trying to say and the story that we have and the, as you said the legacy of bluebells bluebell show leader shows donna arden she really understood that that essence and i think it, it, it translates really well throughout the book uh and that was amazing so we so that was basically it for the text. We uh, translate it in English because it's also going to be released in English. And then uh, the, the, the other big part of the job to create the book was to pick and choose the pictures because obviously that's not just a textbook. It's also, there's about 200 pictures in the book oh. us, from all era of Lido. Uh, and that was, that was fabulous because we got to dive into the archive of Lido. Uh, and every time I was going there, we will find a new box with new archives and new photos. And there was so much just like a mountains of, of archive over there, uh, which is amazing. Uh, and yeah, the, the hard part was to, to choose really <laughs> because I always wanted more. And every time I was seeing a picture, I was like, oh my God, we have to put this one and we have to put this one. Uh, so that was that was a really uh, fun process, um, creating this book along with, obviously, uh, there was also um, Virginie Mouboga, who was the editor of the book, and she was very much involved. And, and, uh, and she, I think she, she also loved uh, this project uh, about, about creating a book uh, for Lido. 
and we also worked with uh, iconograph who helped us pick also the pictures because that's her job also to to contact photographers or, or people for the rights because obviously you cannot just mm. pick a picture and, and put it on the book you have to order the rights for that and and the graphist uh, the graphist helped us uh, put it uh, nicely uh, on the pages and 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 about the the color as well so it doesn't clash uh, mm. in between two pages so and we just got them a little <laughs> we finally received the hardcover book uh, because obviously we had to work during COVID, so that was mainly Zoom calls and and uh, exchanging PDF file uh, over emails, lots of emails. Wow! Uh, but we finally have it in our hands, and and that's amazing. I'm super happy about the result. I think Lido uh, alumni will love it. Uh, Bluebells alumni as well. Uh, it's a great book about the mm. whole history uh, and and about what we do really and it's called in french it's called lido plumes trace and emotion and in english it's called lido feathers jewels and frills i saw you held it up and i'm gonna order it it's the 28th of october right so this will come out close to that so people can just order it on amazon yeah. they can go through the lido um store I forgot what you called that is there a name yeah. they have like their own shop on on the lido website too right so we do have obviously a, a shop at the Lido, but we'll, uh, we're about to release our e-shop. So the e-shop will be online hopefully by the 20th of October when the book will be released. And it will also be available online. Uh, it's, uh, I've seen it on Amazon and on a few other um, library websites uh, and, and big store websites. So I think it's quite a, a wide release of the book. So, yeah, I think it will be available everywhere, hopefully. <laughs> Just the cover. It looks like something you would put as a precious thing. I, that, that's gorgeous. So I'm just thinking there's yeah. so many things that this must have been so good for you, who's been curious of this your whole life, to get to dive fully into it. And then COVID, to have the time to do that and the means to do it. But I'm also thinking, like, I was in Hello Hollywood Hello at the um, MGM. That got bought out. It's Grand Sierra. They don't seem to have any understanding or care about the history of that showroom mm -hmm. it's not it's just sitting there They're, the airplane's still on the stage the thing it's just not have any reverence towards it oh wow vegas like the stardust has been like there are all these hotels that were known for don Arden shows have been um, imploded they're demolished so the UN, university of las vegas has archives where you can go in i got to look at miss bluebell's scrapbooks mm -hmm. and that was amazing wow. i think i tagged you in that because like you would love this to turn the pages and go Miss Bluebell's handwriting and underlying wow. and circling of the things is in there and Don Arden's book, but it it's there, but it's not the same as the preservation that the Lido has that has the costumes from all these shows that they're still there because really all the history is gone everywhere except the Lido. Like those, mm -hmm. the theaters aren't there anymore. The costumes, like they used to just burn them out in the desert. I've heard awful stories that make me cry. Hell, our show is actually though somebody, Karen Burns bought the costumes and she has stored them. Mm -hmm. So I got to put some on. I want to just walk. She's got, uh, you know, rows of it. I don't want to touch everything and it all the sparkle and the feathers. So it makes me happy that those are still there. I think. And then there's a showgirl museum in Las Vegas that Grant Filippo mm -hmm. has. And he's acquired quite a lot, but it would just be tragic to think that these things are all gone. But the Lido is so unique because 
from for 75 years and to have the stories, the costumes, the archives, the photos, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a treasure and it was so amazing to be able to go through it. Uh, obviously, we have lots and lots of photos. Uh, we got our programs, we got uh, like old like movie, how do you call that? The, the uh, music, like the old partitions or old movie reel. Uh, that we cannot like really read with actual like current machines. So we will have to like, bring it to a professional so we can save it. But there's so much amazing treasure and costumes. We do have a, a massive wardrobe outside of Paris where we stock costume from the seventies. I think Alenido, <sighs> Coco and Copanage, Bravissimo, C'est Magic and Bonheur costumes. Most of them are still there. Uh, and it's just fabulous. I went the other day and it's so amazing to just to see and to touch those old costumes and the, the embroidery is still there and the, the feathers and the work. You can see the sour fair that, that is just so unique uh, and so so proper to uh, cabaret and to, to show those costumes. They, they really are the, 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 the most beautiful costume in the world, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's fabulous. And we got to take some of those costumes on stage today. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that next. But before we, I was thinking, I learned that a lot of the costumes from Paris did go to the Stardust in Las Vegas. So they actually would do the show that was in Paris, bring it to America. And then the, so some of our American dancers who were part of Bluebell Legacy, their costumes are preserved because they went yeah. back to Paris, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we so. do, we, we have some questions from Ale Lido. So I, I don't know if those questions, especially went to Vegas and came back to Paris, but, but we do. And Ale Lido was in, in Vegas. I think that was the last show mm -hmm. at the Stardust uh, before it closed. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just amazing to just to think. And you know, that's funny because when you watch in some, at the inside of the costume, you can still see uh, the names or, or the numbers. And sometimes there's a few, so you can just have a sense of who are those costumes and you can tell that there was different eras of dancers wearing the same hats uh, and just, yeah, it's, it's fabulous to see. And we have all the shoes and the props uh, uh, and there's so many colors and so many, so many soul yeah. in all of that. There's, 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 mm. there's the, the history also, also lean on all of those, those things that we are surrounded. Well, and they were so well made because I I started out with the best costumes in the world on the biggest stage, but Don Arden and Bluebell. Mm -hmm. So after that, it was hard to wear things that were like, and you didn't want to complain and go, oh, yeah, this isn't the same. And I don't <laughs> think they they weren't meant to really last probably like, you know, they figure those shows are going to run a few years and there's, there's, mm -hmm. I had to be careful not to go well and hello, Hollywood, hello, our costumes mm -hmm. were Pete Manapie. So but you, they were made to last and they were so well made, like the metal bras, you know, uh, the way that a lot of people do now is just take a regular bra and stick some rhinestones. So those wouldn't have survived. And the backpacks and the, because um, that's one thing I got to look up close when I went to the preservation of the, that um, Karen Burns has, like how mm -hmm. there's metal, like you can't just stick feathers in someone's back. Like the whole structure of these things is built better than most cars. Like they're going to last yeah. longer <laughs> than people's cars. Mm -hmm. 
that's a weird comparison. And, and I was talking about Min Verges earlier, but but she really is the queen of costumes because uh, back in the sixties, when she first started working for the Clerico uh, brothers, uh, Lido and Moulin Rouge, uh, she really is the one who made it perfect. Like the the cut of a G string, uh, she she could tell, like she could. Speak Speak about that for hours just because it's so precise the way she would make it uh, like very high on the hips so it makes long legs and very in a like a, a triangle point so it makes a nice bust uh, a nice like silhouette uh, and also to put feathers on those g-string or, or on the backpacks and and, and and also, uh, Lido had lots of like um, long skirt with uh, naked hips. We call that the, the jupe folco. Uh, and mm. she she could, like you can tell, she had the eye for what fabric to pick. Uh, how it could be more elegant, cutting this way, uh, or where the embroidery should go. Um, yeah, she, she she just have the, the, the this special eye that make the whole differences. Uh, you can you can tell by looking at the costume if it's a min verges or if it's not just the way it's cut. That's is that in the book too? She is. She that... is. Yeah, yeah, she she was interviewed for the book and, and she she talked amazingly about those costumes and how she uh, collaborated with Falco and Edwin who were the designers and how she brought their visions to life. Uh, and 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 she she was for Bonheur when they created the show. Uh, Pierre was there for all the feelings. Uh, they did feeling with Jane as well, who's now the ballet mistress mm. of Lido. With Petra, who's working with me uh, at the artistic direction. She's an administrative assistant ballet master as well. Uh, so yeah, it's just fabulous. And she came to the Lido uh, a few days ago with Edwin. Uh, and they, they saw the show and, and they got to see the new tableau, the best of tableau and seeing their costumes on stage. Oh, and they man. were really emotional. It was fabulous to have I them. And, yeah. I feel like, so I feel like there's that rev that reverence is so beautiful and sometimes rare that people don't really appreciate what came before them. They don't take the time, but mm -hmm. that's why I love how you've done that. So you've talked about costumes and I did an interview with Simone for Rivarte and you weren't in that one, but you guys are together as a, as a partner in both ways. And then we had Emma and um, Sophie to talk about yep. Kaylon, which I've been doing those workouts and it's <laughs> so beautiful. Every time I put it on is that little intro with the gorgeous costumes. Mm -hmm. Then, then you see them in their workout gear, but it's seeing those costumes like, yes, I'm going to work out because just the beauty of how their videos go together. So you've been interested in costumes. So during COVID, you had you started Rivarte before COVID or did that come out of the time to finally do these things? And can you explain what it is? Because it's amazing the work that you're doing <laughs> and understanding your appreciation for what came before you also, it mm -hmm. makes it exciting for what you're doing that you do have this appreciation for what came before you. Mm -hmm. So Rivarte is a uh, um, creative um business that basically creates show for events. So we create uh, costumes, we create uh, choreography, we cast artists, we do directing, sound design. Uh, yeah, we'll basically put on a show tailor-made for your event. So if your, your event wants to be 
on the theme of love or on the theme of i don't know the the nature we'll, we'll we will like uh, propose to you a project that would match your theme and and with a whole cast and costume designs and and proposition of music and choreography so your event can can just be marvelous <laughs> that, that's what we do and i'm well simone is uh, basically the, the boss so he's handling all of that and i'm mainly the i'm ob obviously have my hand in the artistic direction but i'm mostly designing costumes and that's one thing that I always done I, I think i started designing costume in the dressing room during the shows in between numbers <laughs> during bonheur on my little scrapbook uh, and eventually when rivate started i started designing on ipad so it's digital uh. Uh, drawing and that really allowed me to express myself and 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 find a way to use colors and and to create brushes so i could ha have like brushes that is a feather boa or, or to create like rhinestone and obviously I'm very inspired by showgirls that the, the, the thing that I love the most to draw is a, a classic showgirl silhouette a very luxurious with big feathers backpack or lots of bijoux and and very long leg dances but with Revarte we are trying to um, propose a product that is not just showgirl because obviously people for events in Paris want to explore more ways uh, artistically so I'm trying to mix my my love for showgirls and, and showbiz in general um, with a more uh, either couture uh, inspired look or more uh, anime oh, I just try to get oh. references and create looks uh, depending of what the, the mood board is or the color palette needs to be uh, yeah it's really interesting I, I do enjoy drawing a lot uh, I, I love costume design uh, obviously I, I'm not calling myself a costume designer because I'm not a professional like Falco or, or Edwin Piekny is but I do love that uh, it's been great designing for Evarte I designed a few projects for myself just to to keep on the side we never know for Lido yeah <laughs> uh, showgirl stuff but, but yeah I, I do love it right now I don't have much time to do that since we were in rehearsal for a month and we just reopened the show but I do hope I, I will get more time to, to design more costumes in the future your sketches are incredible because I think after I interviewed you I started you know following all your Facebook and Instagram Mm -hmm. They're so beautiful. And then when I released the interview with Kaylon and Rivarte together, we had a lot of pictures of the costumes. Like the one with that has Paris, there's I mean the, the dancer's amazing. She's looking up and it has the Paris thing with the Eiffel Tower upside down. Is uh, that yes. your design? Yeah, that's my design. Oh my yeah. god. They're in they're amazing because they do look very classic, but they are mm -hmm. updated and contemporary. Yeah, that's a good example because I was trying to do a classic silhouette so that's basically a, a just i mean a, a corset uh with high boots and a hat but i wanted to make it very parisian but also with a twist so that's why i chose to put the eiffel tower upside down and to create this hat with lots of eiffel towers and to, to also put those very graphic lines of the eiffel tower on the boots and yeah, yeah that's a good example of what i like to do i like to explore and to, to, to use the codes and make it uh, my own and with something that it would feel updated, but still true to 
what showgirl uh, is. Yeah, it's wonderful. So when we release this, any photos or sketches that we can share with that, and also obviously mm-hmm. like maybe a picture of the book and a tag, because I want people to see that because you because you've been paying attention your whole life. Like when people come in and try to show girl without understanding how a dancer moves and what looks good with lighting, you know, mm-hmm. like, but you, you paid, have paid attention. You asked all those questions. I feel like you got a better, better education than if you'd gone to design school, like, cause you were working <laughs> with the best, but you like, there's people, like we say, we came into the show, did our thing and left. And there's people that really paid attention. Like there's people like, how does a soundboard work? And they started getting interested in sound. So they might've gone and done that after they were done dancing. But some of us were like, wow, we had all this wealth right there i wish i had tapped into it more or been more curious or asked more questions you were already doing that so that just with a book and with this it just feels like you just give jeremy the ball he's ready to go he's got all this <laughs> passion and skill and uh, an eye for beauty so that was something that pr round bear somebody said he had an eye for beauty like some well, i think it was Stuart that said that somebody could audition and and go like really and then the girl would come out with their costume and makeup and go Oh, like yeah. he saw beauty in, in, in the way he did everything. And so I think there's people that have that as a gift. Some people, you know, you've got both things going on. You seem to have a that great is. aesthetic, but also you have been mentored because you asked mm-hmm. by amazing, the best of them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Pierre really had an eye and he, he had a vision. I think he had a dream and I was lucky enough to to for him to share his dream with me and his vision and explain to me what he was seeing and and what he was dreaming of when he the few last time i saw him he was talking to me about uh, his new project for an opera and he was telling me about what he was seeing in terms of scenography and, and mise-en-scene and the costumes and how he would imagine it and and i was so lucky to to hear that that's what i try to apply in my my work with Rafael or with Lido. i'm always trying to to dream basically to to let my imagination go so i can apply uh that vision those, those values that i i put into my work and 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 what i want to uh to do into into what I do now. Uh, so uh, when I first started, when we just started the, the rehearsal for Lido, we did a, a good with Jane an hour plus with a, a thirty minutes uh, a bar and then uh, some traveling. And we did some traveling for the girls just walking because obviously they haven't been wearing heels for for eighteen months. So we had to start just walking as a showgirl. And I was trying to, to define what makes the bluebell walk or the Arden walk different than all the cabarets. I think that's very important that we are a company. We are the bluebell girls and the Kelly boys or little boys. Uh, and we are uh, a body, a corps de ballet. So I think it's mm. really important to have the same um, understanding of the style that we are embodying on stage. Uh, and so I think what I love about Lido shows is the details that could be in costumes, in choreography, in music, in anything. There's so many details. That's what make it, makes it so rich and so fascinating to watch. So I think details uh, also comes with any movement that you do on stage. So mm-hmm. walking is a very important side of it. 
so that was very interesting to see. And then at first we just told the girls, just do struggle walks, free arms, have fun, you know, just like start to feel your own glamorous fantasy. We just back in rehearsal, have fun. And then after a week, we started to say, okay, we're all, you're all more comfortable now in your heels. Let's try to become this company of Bluebell Girls again. So I want you to think about your bust being not moving, your hips doing those nice eights, uh, your legs crossing, think about your position of your foot when you step forward, think about your position of your uh, arms, your elbows, the movement of your elbows when you're walking, also the tip of your nails, uh, and the way you look, because they were masked, so that was hard for them to yeah. feel the fantasy being masked, yeah. because obviously we, you cannot see the full expression, but I said, now you have two smiles, like, tell me yeah. a story just by looking at me, uh, and, and with the way you're moving, and all of a sudden, the travelings were just looking as a unity. I told them the, the, the change is amazing to watch because you have understood that you are now the Bluebell Girls and they were all walking, gliding all mm. together on stage. That was amazing. And, and I'm so very proud of the company uh, coming back after 18 months of um, being closed. Uh, they really, I mean, we did uh, as a team an amazing job. I think we reopening the, the show. We're going to get to that too, because that's really a thing to be celebrated. Uh, Alexandra mentioned about you with the traveling and the walks and how you really, <laughs> the importance of where it came from, because like uh, somebody, my sugar road trip, Athena, like we were saying, we're, we're maybe 15 years apart and as far as doing shows, but how it kind of changed mm -hmm. over the years. Or if you're in Vegas or Paris, like the Don Arden walk. But when you learn it from someone who breaks it down, otherwise we all kind of had our interpretation. It doesn't look good together. So yeah. I love that the history matter, but she just said she appreciated that because I asked, how was it putting heels on for the first time? But then also I just did a, a heels workshop with two teachers at my studio. They're very young. One is a, was a competitive ballroom and hers is way afford with the butt back. And the other one is like a very, very sexy. And I said, you can't floor hump in a showgirl costume because you'll never get back up. And there's <laughs> things you don't do. And so we, we had them learn all of our styles. And a lot of people thought the showgirl one was particularly hard because like they were sweating, just trying to like not clump in their heels and extend their legs and move their hips and the energy in the face. And what I did is I put a bunch of video or photos from people I've had as guests there's the mm -hmm. one of Leah with the yellow feathers when she's looking up. And I said, what yeah. you see on this is not the, I'm going to come get you sexy. It's joy. It's confidence. It's goddess. It's class. And by seeing the picture, it changed because when you say these be classy people are like, what is that? So the pictures of those, of all these people that I've had on the show from the, from a lot of them from the younger show made them go, Oh my gosh, I go, you're wearing the most exquisite costumes. You will dance mm -hmm. different than when you're wearing your, you know, your booty shorts. And it was, it was interesting. And I had Michelle Brown, who was part of, mm -hmm. she came because she lives in Seattle. So I had her come still a diva. I don't even know how old she is, but her legs, I just had her stand and show the Michelle bevel. Michelle is fabulous. I love her. Oh, it was so and great. Lisa, and they, Lisa was also a bluebell, her sister. Oh, that's what I, I need to do an interview with that one too. Cause there's yeah. all these different like generations or sisters. Mm -hmm. But I had her come forward. She probably didn't love that I asked her to come forward. And I had her just stand there. And people, they clapped because she just stood there. And she did. I had her go across the floor first. I had a headpiece from a show I was in and put it on. And they're like, 
because people still, when I say showgirl, they don't know what I'm talking about. They think stripper, they, so it yeah. was interesting to have it claimed and have someone who embodied it so beautifully. Cause I just, my hips don't do that. I didn't, I couldn't get my heels on because my hips are messed up and I can't, I couldn't even reach my buckle for my shoes. So I did a perfect, <laughs> but she, she was the epitome. And I think it's really good that the younger generation, like, well, what is the walk? Because if everybody's doing their own mm -hmm. thing, it doesn't look as beautiful as like you, even when you do this with your hands of everybody swaying and moving together, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful sight. It's yeah, it is amazing. And I think you said something very interesting that it is a question about looking at those pictures trying to to look at those videos or those people uh, because it's something that needs to be transmitted from a generation to another from a dancer to another dancer and, yeah. and and what i try to do well when i'm creating when i'm imagining a, a number or when i'm working with the girls i'm always trying to give them tips from what I learned from what I watched that means that the smile of Emma Voss the way Corinna was beveling the way uh, Belinda Smith was looking at the audience the way Marisa Burgess had like was embodying, uh, embodying this the sexiness and I mean all those girls all boys um, the principal and, and all those shows I think made us who we are on stage today because it inspired everyone. It inspired Pierre, inspired probably Miss Bluebell, Don Arden, those people because the the yeah it's it's a proper savoir-faire that we we have and it cannot be. I mean, it can be taught, but that's very. I think that's something that belongs to the field, to the stage. Mm. That's something that you learn by looking at each other. And it's so important to look at each other uh, and to, to look to your colleagues to, to know, oh, I like how she did that. I'm going to try to do it that way. Uh, oh, she, she had a, a, the, the way she smiled at this moment is amazing because sometimes you look at the show and you're like, oh, I love that. I love, you know, you like sometimes I'm watching the show and I'm, I'm watching the show to take notes because I'm not part <laughs> of the management. So I'm trying to see like the little details that I can be better. But sometimes I just look at the girls. And I'm like, wow, I'm just this little kid again that is watching mm -hmm. this TV. Uh, so it's so inspiring. Uh, yeah. That's really great that you're not like, it's, oh, that you've seen it so much. It doesn't move you the same way that, that's wonderful that it can still make you go. So let's talk about that. Cause you, when the Lido closed because of COVID, you were a dancer in the show. And I've interviewed quite a few people of what that was like of not knowing when it's going to come back and people going back to their home country and the waiting and how hard, like we actually have a lot of people acknowledge it was really hard, not knowing mm -hmm. if this thing that you love is going to come back. And if you're a young dancer that just like Cologne that just got in the show and then it yeah. closed, and then the ones who'd been there for years and like, I, you know, you know, your dance career is not going to go on forever. So I feel like we've, we've talked about in a way that honors how hard that period was, but people were finding creative ways, like all kinds of beautiful things came out of it. But for you, you were kind of planning on going back as a dancer when this closed, or did you know something might be changing towards management? Did you have any idea that you would be moving up into this new position? I had no idea, uh, like literally no idea, but uh obviously the pandemic was hard because we were all of a sudden in lockdown not knowing when we will reopen 
But then I got the chance to replace the community manager and to take care of the social media for six months. And the book happened. Uh, and then eventually uh, lockdown was done. Uh, and I, since I had this experience with social media and I was so involved with Lido with the book, we got to organize a few photo shoots for Christmas or New Year's Eve 2021 uh, or, or upcoming project like the eShop that's going to come out soon. Um, and I, I was lucky enough to be able to, to propose my ideas with Jane uh, and with the direction and, and to, to create mood boards and, and bring ideas on the table. So that was super fun. And, and I, I was super lucky to have this opportunity because I was still a dancer, uh, yeah. but I was involved on an other side, not as a dancer, but more as a creative mind. Uh, on those projects so that was amazing and I, I was lucky enough to to be trusted by by the direction and by Jane and to be uh, allowed to participate in those projects and eventually they released uh, an announce that uh, the, the the position of uh, assistant ballet master was uh, was free uh, and we had to send our, that was only intern, and we had to send our CVs and, and motivation letter. That's what I did. Uh, and a few months later, so obviously I did interviews. Uh, and Jane called me and told me, well, that's you. <laughs> and that was the biggest surprise and, and amazing. Yeah, it was just fabulous because obviously I, I had the ambition to, to stay a Lido after my, my career as a dancer. I wanted to stay and be involved in the artistic uh, direction, but I didn't obviously know that it, that would happen at this time. Uh, wow. Also during the, the, the COVID. Uh, yeah, and it was amazing. And, and also it happened at the time when we had finally a date of reopening. So um, I'm not saying COVID was good, but I'm just saying that overall, I think it was great for me to know that I would come back as assistant ballet master and to have these few months of transition instead of being on stage one night and, and going into the office the, the day after. That was yeah. good to have. Like, I, I think I took my position 1st of May and we started real solemnly in August. So I got a few months to... Uh, get used to my new position, also to prepare with Jane and Petra the, the reopening, the, the cast, the, the, because obviously that's not a creation, but it's, it's like a remontage. We got to, to put back a show on stage. So that's a big work to do. Uh, so yeah, we got a, a few months of planning and studying, like getting ready for the, this rehearsal period. Uh, and but the, the big stress for me was to to start rehearsal and obviously because I danced with all of them I danced with every single member of the cast at the moment so I, I was a bit nervous about the change of dynamic but because I had this experience of producing talent shows before which mm. uh, was intern show for only employees I organized that twice in 2018 and 2020 just before COVID um I was already like it felt like first day of rehearsal felt like a rehearsal for a talent show. It was just this nice atmosphere, the the atmosphere, the, the 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 sense of community, getting back together. That was mm. that was really that really uh, amazing just to feel home again. 
Because it could be interesting if you get promoted to have to lead your peers in some environments, people, you know, because you're the same as them and get promoted. Sometimes that's a harder thing to step into. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you are so respected that and people are so happy for you to do that position that feels like you've earned the respect and it's not like you have to prove yourself because you're, you know, moved from being everybody's peer and friend to now being management. So it just seems like a beautiful thing with the excitement of coming back after COVID, the reopening that the timing just feels like this is Jeremy who knows what it's like on our side, but mm-hmm. we trust for this. Cause I talked to Alexandra, I talked to Leah, a few of them, like what it was like to, to hear that music again. And like, that's a long time in between. And some people said after yeah. they got going, it came back, but wearing heels and walking downstairs, if you haven't done that, it's how did it feel like it came back pretty fast? Cause you got to see it from your perspective, different from them doing it. Like when you saw them come back, if things felt a little iffy and when you saw the change where yeah. it, uh, people remembered it in their body and their soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it felt like a fresh start because obviously I was studying a new position uh, and I think it was kind of the same for the artists. But the amazing thing is that when we first, I think it was the first day, the first afternoon, we tried to do openings, the opening of the show, and it just clicked. Everyone was like on it. I think we run it a couple of times and it was already like so clean and <laughs> very good. Uh, it felt, yeah, it, it, it was super good to see that it all came back so quickly. Um, but yeah, you, you really feel like a fresh start for everyone. I think everyone had time during those 19 months to step back, have a little look on what they want, what what is important, why does it matter also i think most of them are now listening to your podcast which is amazing because they got to learn how important it is uh, and, and the legacy that we are holding in our hands uh, <sighs> and if I, I really feel like they all are coming back as proud bluebell and little boys and 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 we do have a relationship based on, on trust and respect and that's why it's been amazing for me to to take my new position at this moment in time uh, after COVID because, yeah, that was a fresh start with a clear mind, a clear goal of reopening, re-going on stage. For me, that was to re-put the show on stage along with Jane. Um, and, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm very proud of the result. I think this is a, a, a team building work. Uh, we all work hand in hand uh and and yeah I'm, I'm super proud i'm obviously super happy to have evolved because i was also scared i was like maybe i won't like it maybe i will want to be on stage but then eventually rehearsal kept going and i i, I felt nourished by other things just the responsibility and the, the 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 space that jane had let me take in terms of proposition and creativity uh, is amazing and I'm super grateful for that and everyone had let me embrace uh, this new position uh, so yeah I'm, I'm super grateful for for everyone that is working at Lido at the moment for for, for that and, and and for this big celebration that we we have also with the 75th birthday and the book and and everything that happened I'm, I'm very grateful for the last year I know it was a shit, shitty year COVID yeah. <laughs> was a bad thing, but from I mean, it brought me a lot. 
and uh, I'm yeah. grateful for the resilience and, and for everyone's energy to, to be motivated to come back and to make it work. Yeah, I think the appreciation that you guys have, the appreciation that the audience has to know that nothing was guaranteed it was going to come back because things were closing all over the place. And so I got a video back. Or Lee, no. Yeah, there was the Savannah and Leah, Alexandra, Hillary came. I got some video mm -hmm. of opening night ago. I just wanted to hear the energy and the noise because yeah. even though I knew it was opening, there was a part of me that was still a little scared that it wouldn't. And I don't know if mm -hmm. you guys had to move forward with positivity, but when they sent that and I knew it was open, I cried out of relief because I've been like a champion of, of this cast. So to know that it actually happened, all that hard work, because I think some of the other, the other interviews that things started open, like when the crazy horse opened that had to close after two weeks that it's mm -hmm. hard to keep your hope up. And so when it actually finally happened, it just felt like joy and relief and the importance of keeping this going. Yeah. So I, we were, there was a lot of us celebrating. We, I made a video, I uh, reached out to pass bluebells and they put a video together. It. it was so much I fun. And there were so it. many that wanted, yeah. Cause I didn't yeah. know if I'd have to like beg them and they were like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and they were like, so happy to celebrate with you. And I think that's the yeah. beauty of the book. And it's the beauty of the, the tableau that's added that is the both end. So I think we'll end here in a second, but one thing that came up with a few interviews, when you got this position, I was talking to Christopher Renfirm and I talked to Hillary with Cabaret mm -hmm. Diversity Network and how that you've been an ear, or I'm not sure your part, but they did say that we are so glad that Jeremy is in his position at the Lido because you understand this whole thing of like inclusion. And I, I think it was so beautiful to hear their vision of what Cabaret can be. Cause when you go back to Josephine Baker, and the history mm -hmm. and then how did it kind of go away from this of, of everything was part of it and so one thing we said is like you seem like this perfect person because you have this whole wealth of knowledge and appreciation for what came before you but you also have a vision maybe that's also that Pierre Rombert with you mm -hmm. that there's always more it can be and it's not just the arts of it but it's like how humans are changing and how culture is changing and inclusion and so uh, this is a lot of pressure to put on you, but do you see a future like that, that does both of those that you can move cabaret forward for our current climate as far as like, not the climate, but, but how, how we are socially of our understanding of what's been included and excluded and what cabaret was and what it can be again. I mean, that's a lot of pressure because I know you, you don't have full reins, but you also have this heart and vision that is, it just feels like you are in this perfect place in history right now. <laughs> well, I do believe that. One thing that Pierre told me uh, is that the essence of a revue, a struggle show, is diversity. It's diversity in music, it's diversity in costumes, in choreography, in, in, in staging. It's diversity in everything. So it should be also diversity uh, in the cast. Yeah. Uh, and I do believe that, unfortunately, Cabaret in France, at least, um, it might be considered by some like an old form of art. And I don't think it's a dying form of art, not at all. Mm. I just think that because the, the, those productions uh, are costing such a, it's a lot of money to produce a show yeah. like that. Uh, so obviously, the, the, the Ferry at Moulin Rouge has been running for 21 years. 
uh, Bonner before Parimervé was running for 11 years. Uh, we've been doing Parimervé for a good six years. So I think that there's a way to create shows uh, that are grand shows, uh, big mm. production mm. like we do, but also to make it um, respectful to the DNA and, and the legacy that we have, but in an updated vision. And, and that's why I like to do when, for example, I design a costume, I like to think, okay, I want to do a classic showgirls buff, but with a, a, a modern eye. That's what yeah. I'm trying to do. So that's why I get my inspiration by, by pop culture references or, or vintage old Hollywood glamour references uh, and by what uh, Balmain is doing today with uh, Olivia Roustan is doing with Balmain or what uh, uh, Maria Grazia Curie is doing with the Christian Dior Maison. You know, those big couture uh, house, I, I, I don't know, they're really old. But those new artistic directors, they're trying to play with the codes. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to play with what made us famous, the feathers, the glam, the jewels, the, the lavish, the, 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 the all those luxurious uh, Donarden big ballet movement that makes it mm -hmm. so amazing to watch. But I think we can make it with an updated 2025, let's say the, the next show is going to be in yeah. 2025, <laughs> 2030, whatever. Uh, twist with a, a new version of it and I think that's so important and and, and I hope that those maisons will never stop creating uh, and I hope new shows will flourish in the US as well because unfortunately there's not a big production in Vegas anymore or in Reno and I think that's a big shame I think there's room for that, mm -hmm. the, 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 the cabaret is such a beautiful art form, it's entertainment, it's just pure entertainment. There's no need for a story, there's no need for deepness, there's no need for, for all of that. It just needs to be visually striking or moving or, or, or dreaming. And it's, and that's, I think it's actually the hardest show to put together because it's hard mm. uh, yeah. to, to find all the ingredients that we'd worked all together uh, that's why Lido is amazing because they find they find René Frade artistic director they find Miss Bluebell who had this company of girls and then eventually they find Donarden who choreographed it and then eventually they find Volker who made beautiful costume and Jim Arbett for the music it was just this crazy magical potion that just explodes and, and made what happened. Uh, so I think nowadays we need to find those creative minds that can uh, get together and create the same magic. It's just a challenge of finding the right person who are passionate enough about what we do and, and, and respectful enough of whatever the person in front of you is doing and yeah. what the person back then were doing to create something that is true to what we love and nice for people in 2021 to come and watch and, and give the envy for people to rediscover Cabaret. Oh, that's a perfect way to end. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Like seriously, when I heard you were moved up to the Ballet Master, I did a happy clappy hat dance because I was like, hey. <laughs> but to hear that your cast is celebrating and the book, I'm I'm actually going to see if I can pre-order it on Amazon mm -hmm. because as soon as I heard there was a thing, I'm like, I need to have that. 
And I'm going to be there hopefully in March or April to see the show. I'm going to probably see it several times. I want to see the Mulan. I want to see all these, ca- these small cabarets that I had no idea were even there. Like yeah. Bordeaux, like I interviewed um, Kate Matthews. So I'm like, if that mm-hmm. show's still going. So I feel like I want to get more, more of a sense of what cabaret in France has always been and has survived so many things. If it survives war and COVID and everything yeah. else, that it obviously is important enough for people to want to keep it. But I'm excited to see you guys in the show. And now hearing all this, it's going to make it even more fun. So best to you. I know you've got a rest probably because you've got huge things of Rivarte and a book that just came out and a new position, the show opened. So I hope you get some sleep in there somewhere and maybe just some uh, some acknowledgement that you've worked so hard to bring all this to, to light. And it's it's celebrated by so many people. I do. I do try to rest when I can. But but you know what, Sherry? I think uh i don't mind long hours i don't mind long days of work because if there's work that means that we are doing the right thing i think that's so important to focus on 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 i mean show must go on we have to if we have lots of projects at the same time that's a good sign we just need that means that we are in a good direction and i think that's where we are at the moment we are spending endless days with Jane and Petra in the offices trying to prepare what's next and 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 this rehearsals and and it's it's all good I, we've been like going slow for 18 months and now it's finally back on so we just need to enjoy it work hard uh, keep our eyes on on the prize and and try to to make what we do best and that's making people dream mm. So people can come to the Lido, see the show, get their tickets. I know I'm going to buy mine beforehand just because I want to make sure I can get in. If it's hopefully, <laughs> hopefully by spring, you guys will be full six days a week again, but who knows? And if they want yeah, to order the to. book, Amazon, other places, we'll put some links in there because I have a, a feeling a lot of people are going to want to have this treasure. Yeah, I, I do have a few links for to buy in France. I just have to look for foreign uh, way to to buy the book but i will definitely send you all the infos okay uh, send you the cover also for the book so you can share it on the social media of Bluebells yeah. forever and i'm so grateful for for you and your your podcast Sherry. i just wanted to say it's amazing the work that you are doing for our community i think mm. uh, especially during covid the all brought us together and and we are one big family that's one word that is coming back in the book all the time every page is, is the word family and and it's an amazing family to be part of yeah yeah i think with covid too like oh i found my family when i started doing the interviews i just felt a coming home mm-hmm. and like when i go to paris i'm already going to be home because i'm going to yeah i just i love what this time off has done for appreciation and to find that through Zoom and through Spotify and iTunes, we have a way to find each other again and appreciate our family. It's so a big, crazy, yeah. wild, weird family all over the world, all over the generations. <laughs> so uh, best to you, my friend, and I will see you in a few months. And I hope by then you're good with a hug and so excited to finally see you in person. Can't wait to see you in Paris, Jerry. And you all welcome listeners to come to the Lido as well. <laughs> yes. Okay. We'll try to, I'll make up enough noise for all of us. <laughs> so thank you adieu wait is that right no adieu, au revoir a bientôt au revoir. adieu our adieu is farewell so it's a bit sad but, oh no uh, no we don't want that so i bid you a bientôt, a, a, a bientôt. <laughs> I get, i'm yeah. gonna start working on my french <laughs>